But then we are often, you know, as high achievers and as as go, go, go and perfection, we're like, I'm not the type of mom to have trouble with that. And the thing is, is that's often where it's most hardest. And I talk about this um, in, in uh, on my Instagram and stuff. It's often my, my type A moms who find postpartum the hardest because they're used to having a nice checklist and saying, I'm going to just do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to like get my work done for the day. And you know, I, they're, they're corporate and they're, they're getting their to-do list done and they're fantastic. And then postpartum, it's like... Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I am so excited for another episode of Mom Strength. This is Surabi, and I'm very, very pumped to have on Dr. Danielle Watson today. And I'm going to preface this by my voice sounds super weird and raspy right now because I got my kids cold. And so I apologize in advance for that. But let me do an official intro for um, Danielle. Dr. Danielle is a naturopathic doctor and the founder of The Mother Method. She supports new moms to feel prepared for motherhood and postpartum without all the anxiety and overwhelm. Dr. Danielle has helped hundreds of first-time moms in her clinical practice. And she has an amazing Instagram account at uh, hashtag, or no, not hashtag, at The Mother Doctor. And she provides tons of... Uh, information that's actually really easy for like the average person to understand. You don't have to be a naturopathic doctor or in the healthcare field. Um, the information is super bite-sized and I really appreciate all the work that she does um, online to support mothers. So welcome on, uh, Danielle. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for that. I'm so pumped to talk to you today. Can you share with me a little bit about your own um, background? How did you get into this work? Mm-hmm. Um, was it your own experience with pregnancies? Um, let, let's hear a little bit more about you. For sure. So yeah, so I'm a naturopathic doctor. I work with moms predominantly in the pregnancy or postpartum space. Um, and I really started this work um it kind of fell into my lap, I guess. Um, I, uh, when I first graduated, I was pregnant. And so entering into clinical practice, I think I was about six or seven months along with my first baby. Um, and I was working predominantly with menopausal women. And so when working with them, they um, would come in to see me, you know, for a variety of different symptoms. And as we would kind of go through their intake, um, I would realize that many of them, and it was overwhelming the amount, their symptoms had started when they first gave birth. Um, And so I would kind of like prod to see, you know, that's been 30 years. Why haven't we worked on this? What has been going on for you? And all of these women would be like, oh, I was a mom. Like, of course I was exhausted. Of course I was having heavy periods. Of course I had headaches. There were little kids screaming. Of course I couldn't sleep. I was up in the night with my babies. But then they had been, you know, reinforced by society and told by everyone that this was just normal part and parcel with being a mom. And so that had continued for, for decades. And, you know, their, their kids were now in like their 30s. Um, and so of course at the time I was like six, seven months pregnant. Um, and so they would kind of laugh and be like, oh, you'll know what I mean in a few months. Um, and so that of course sent me into a bit of panic. Cause I was like, what is this going to be like? I, I do know like so many moms, um, that have, um, various issues, you know, anything from peeing their pants to whatever. And, and we write it off as part of motherhood. Um, and then, um, I gave birth to my first baby. Um, it was a really intense, tough labor. Um, and then into my recovery, I was like, why? Why did I learn so much um, in my degree about pregnancy? 
and baby care and newborn and infant care, and so very little about postpartum recovery. Um, you know, we learn so much, uh, you know, you learn some aspects of breastfeeding, you learn some aspects of just like basic perineal care in terms of the healing from the, the stitch, um, if there's a wound, but you don't learn the intensity that's there. And I knew that this, experiencing it myself, I knew this was such a monumental change. Um, and so as I returned to clinical practice after I had my baby, um, I started seeing a bunch of moms. And so I would ask more probing questions. I would kind of get into it a bit more with them. You know, how are you really feeling? Um, and that just, that opened floodgates for my patients. And I had the most, um, you know, in Tense conversations and the most real things in these women really and truly improved in how they felt. Um, and I took that back to my menopausal patients and I would, you know, question them when they would say, well, I was a mom. I was like, you know, being a mom isn't a diagnosis and we have to look further into that. And so I was then able to help them as well as we discovered what was really going on for them because it wasn't motherhood. Um, and, and it just, it changed how I was practicing. And so I knew I had to really focus in and get to know the postpartum time um, because we, we don't talk about it enough. Um, and so it kind of was a, a culmination of my patients teaching me and then my own experience going through it myself. That's incredible. And first of all, kudos to you to be for being pregnant during your last year <laughs> and entering practice. That is hard. Like it's pregnancy hard. is tough. School is tough, and mm-hmm. a professional degree like that is just a lot. Uh, and it's such an interesting story because my story is very similar, although for me, this whole experience was like, you know, five, ten years after I started working. I noticed a pattern in my um, kind of middle-aged women to, mm-hmm. you know, women in their 50s, and same thing, back pain for 10 years, yeah. you know, neck pain since they had kids 15, 20 years ago. People were still blaming their kids, like as a joke, but not really a joke. Yeah. Like, ugh, I blame, you know, this person because they destroyed yeah. my vagina coming out. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, this yeah. isn't just something you have to accept. Mm-hmm. Because if you had the right help at that stage in your life, your life would be very different right now. And I love that you're doing that um, for these moms. Can you talk about a little bit of the preparation that happens during pregnancy or that you recommend people have during pregnancy to better support this journey into motherhood? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like there's really almost two arms to the way I treat my patients. I feel like I want people to come in either as early as they can during pregnancy to start, you know, having a healthy pregnancy, which will inform their healthy postpartum or their they're a bit postpartum. I find that those initial zero to six weeks, even zero to three months, you know, we're in survival mode. There is no, you know, you can, you can definitely have interventions during that time. And I'm not suggesting, you know, if a listener is in that space, there's something you can do still, but it's so hard. You're so busy. You're so in it. Um, you know, you're changing a diaper eight to 12 times a day. There's not the space the way there is in other times. And so I find if I can get my patients, um, started early in pregnancy, it's such a different recovery for them. Um, I remember, um, cause of course when I started this, I was new to practice and I remember having my first patient who had seen me from first trimester through to fourth trimester. And I, um, I remember she came in for her recovery. She was explaining how things went. She had a hard birth experience. Um, and initially, you know, she'd encountered challenges. Um, and so I was thinking, oh, this poor girl, like we've worked so much together to prepare for postpartum and this was so hard. Um, but she came into her appointment she looked me in the eye and she was like, you know, Dr. Danielle, it was exactly like you said. And, and we, me and my husband, we had, it was really hard, but we had the resources we needed to do it and we knew what to do. And that absolutely struck me because it was so different than my previous patients who I'd only seen postpartum. Um, With her, she had challenges because of course we can't guard against all of the things that can come up. We can't say baby's going to have a perfect latch because we went to a breastfeeding class or something like that. Um, But what struck me was that she knew what to do when she was in it because she wasn't blindsided by it. And I think that's the common experience is that we prep and prep for baby. We prep and prep for labor because labor is so 
it's such a scary thing when we're a first-time mom. Um, and then we prep for newborn care and we make our nursery beautiful, but we don't focus on any aspect on our own recovery and what's going to happen there because we're not taught and that information isn't available any, anywhere, really. Um, and so previously to, to those patients, I've been seeing people in the throes of postpartum and it was so hard to pick up the pieces while they had a newborn and it was doable, but I realized that if I spent you know, the, the portion of their pregnancy, helping them get healthy in pregnancy, but also helping them prep so that what they were doing was going to inform a healthy postpartum. It was, it was night and day how they felt. That's amazing. I, I agree. Like a lot of, I just ran a pregnancy and birth prep webinar. And Mm -hmm. a lot of what we talked about was you don't do this prep to guarantee a perfect outcome because you cannot do that. Your baby might decide to be sideways and, you know, you might, you know, you might your blood pressure might spike. Yeah. But if you're empowered with this knowledge, you know what to either expect or how to respond in those situations, mm-hmm. how to advocate for yourself. And these conversations are had throughout pregnancy, not just on Labor Day yes. or not just like when the situation arises. And I think that what you're doing is so important. And I remember during my first pregnancy, I had an naturopathic doctor and I went mm-hmm. and even though I thought, okay, what is she going to help? How is she going to help me? I can barely eat because I was yeah, so yeah, nauseous. Yeah. But she gave me key pieces of advice that allowed me to feel more in control of my body, even yes. when I felt so out of control in my body. Yes. Um, and I think, I think that's so wonderful. Now, are you seeing clients, let's say somebody's in their early pregnancy mm-hmm. and they come to see you. Um, what are some of the challenges that they tend to have in early pregnancy? Oh, they can be so many. Early, early pregnancy can be so tough. Of course, there's the nausea and vomiting. Most people seem to experience that. And that can be a normal pregnancy symptom to a certain extent. You know, our body is reacting to all of the changes and we don't know exactly what causes morning sickness. Um, but I do find the earlier we get started on helping something like morning sickness, the better. Um, oftentimes, it's almost like we, we, um, we've seen correlations between drops in our blood sugar and our hunger and feeling nauseous. And so some of the time I tell my patients, it's like we need to get ahead of that hunger. Um, Because once you are in that cycle of being sick or feeling nauseous, you don't want to eat. Um, and so it can be get about getting like almost like a base in your tummy, <laughs> um, just something there so that you coat, don't coat the tummy. Yeah. So you're, exactly. and I, I only learned that through experience because yeah. no, again, nobody told me that yeah. everyone was just like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're feeling like shit. And yeah. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. But can I have a solution to this yeah. please? And yeah, I think it was my naturopath. It was like, eat more often, even if you don't yeah. feel like it, crackers, Absolutely. cereal, something. Yeah. And one of my friends actually, she was the most helpful. She was like, leave a bowl of cereal at your nightstand. Before yes. you even get out of bed, eat yeah. something. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And she's and like, yes. into like our insomnia that a lot of people experience during pregnancy as well can often even just be hunger in the middle of the night, like a 2 a.m. Oh. hunger. And so um, a lot of my patients, um, either they get a bedtime snack that's, you know, full of fat and fiber and protein to really satiate them before sleep. Or I tell them to keep something like um, cereal or Greek yogurt or a handful of nuts on their bedside table um, so that if they do wake up, they might truly just be hungry. Um, and of course, um, you know, the physical discomfort of pregnancy, especially as it progresses, can wake up and that's hard to get rid of. Um, but yeah, that those early pregnancy symptoms are so hard. Um, and some of them are normal, you know, fatigue, we all want to get rid of our fatigue. And there are certain layers where we can guard against things, you know, looking at our micronutrient intake, like our iron or our B12, um, ensuring we're fully nourishing ourselves with our food. But to a certain extent, the fatigue is so normal, because you know, you're growing, you're putting in place literally all of the organ systems within about 12 weeks. And you're growing a new organ, your your placenta from scratch, like brand new, well vascularized, organ. And so a lot of us are so shocked by that fatigue that hits like a wall around six weeks. But at the same time, our bodies have literally never been fabricating a person. So it, it can it's incredible. Yeah. Like how incredible. And I think in some ways, society doesn't value like there's a decreased value for mothers. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in business. Oh, once you're in like, you know, in the workplace. Oh, once you're a mother, it's like you're, you're deemed yeah. as like less valuable. And if we put more value to ourselves as mothers, mm-hmm. to as pregnant people and understand the great amount of work that we're doing mm-hmm. to literally create a new human, yeah. we would maybe have more respect for our own fatigue and be like, it's okay. This is normal and I should be tired. Yes. I know not everybody is and then they're worried like, why am I not tired? And I'm like, you know what? 
everyone is different. Yeah. Yeah. And we can all experience such a gamut of it. And I found, um, I think it sounds like you were similar, but like my, my first pregnancy, it was almost like my body was telling me I needed to slow down. Um, yes. I was such a go, go, go person. I was studying, you know, for my licensing exams at the time. Um, and I was writing, you know, my boards and then my, my, like national exams. And I was just go, go, go have a coffee and go study and go work all day and do that. Um, and I think that my body was like, you need to rest in order to make a baby. So it it just, I feel like it can sometimes be very humbling and such a lesson if we lean into what our body is asking us to do, Mm -hmm. um, that will inform us into postpartum where it's very hard to even put yourself on the to-do list. Um, and so if we start practicing listening to our body and listening to what we need, it can be so integral for how we recover afterwards. And I completely agree. I was super go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had, I had a job where I would work shift like shifts. So I'd work till 8 p.m. one day and then yeah. I'd be back in clinic at 7 a.m. When I was pregnant, <laughs> like I wish in hindsight that I changed those hours. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have any any enough rest. Yes. Like those days. And it was brutal going into work. Those would be the days I'd be the most nauseous. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that stress makes all of that worse. Yeah. And really, I love what you said about listening to your body during pregnancy because that can inform postpartum. Mm-hmm. If we are so used to ignoring our needs yeah. throughout our lives and then pregnancy hits yeah. and we're still ignoring our needs – postpartum is going to rock you, yes. you know, it's going to force you to listen to your needs because there's no way to just power through when you Definitely. have a I baby like to take care pregnancy of. Pregnancy can be such a good experience in that way because, you know, during our typical lives when we're not pregnant, our body will speak to us and it'll tell us our needs. It'll tell us we need to go to the bathroom or it'll tell us we need water or whatever it is. But during pregnancy, your body will like screams at you, your needs. It's like, no, no, no. Um, if you stand up too quickly, I will make you feel a little bit faint. Um, just like things like that. And so it's such a, it's, it's very hard to ignore. And a lot of us aren't used to those aspects of course we're we're not used to taking that space and moving slowly with intention and 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 all of you know resting when we are told to rest and going pee when we really feel like we need to pee and if we don't tune into that during pregnancy of course we're going to feel very uncomfortable but then postpartum you know that can set you up for even more of a challenge because now you've got someone else's needs to care for as well and they do kind of scream at you. So of course you're yeah. aware of those. Parts. You pay more attention to them often. Yeah. And I and it's true. And I think too remembering that we're not weak because we're listening mm-hmm. to our bodies and resting. We're literally pregnant. So yes. pregnant is like the opposite of weak. Like there's yes. there's I, I always hear from my pregnant clients, it's like, I feel so lazy. I'm like, you literally cannot mm-hmm. be lazy. Yeah. Like laziness and pregnancy is an oxymoron. You cannot be lazy. Whether you're sitting on the couch quote unquote lazing after work you're not lazing you're resting you're allowing your body to continue to serve you and your baby Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that we need to remove that stigma even women in the workplace you know if you are hustling you're going to your job and I live in Toronto so if you're taking the public transit and it's like exhausting for you if you have the ability to change your hours or to reduce your work workload temporarily doesn't mean you're weak doesn't mean you're a bad employee or a bad you know person just means that you're listening to your needs. Absolutely. Uh, and I wish I had done that. I wish yeah. I had done that for sure. And so let's talk about, you know, in entering that second trimester where maybe you're coming out of nausea mm-hmm. and fatigue as much. Um, what are some of the challenges that people experience, you know, in that mid-pregnancy? Yeah, I think mid-pregnancy can often be this beautiful time. You know, it's that's when you want to schedule your 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 pregnancy photos. Like you feel your best, you feel your most um, beautiful and 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 pregnant. Um, and so that's often where I like my. Uh, patients to start into my program because they have that space there. Suddenly they're less exhausted. They're not throwing up. They're feeling good um, for the most part. Of course, everyone has different experiences and it's good to get that in place because the third trimester moves so slowly, but at the same time goes so quickly. And so that second trimester can be that space where we can kind of get some of our needs met. We might be able to start some more exercise that we had to avoid during the first trimester. Um, We might be able to revisit our nutrition because, of course, during the first trimester, it might just not be something you can do. Um, You might be eating exclusively crackers. And so second trimester, if you can bring that back in. Um, Some of the challenges people often experience are more so around um, their mood, their emotions, because you suddenly feel pregnant um, and you might 
might be revisiting a lot of things, um, looking at, you know, your relationship to your partner or your relationship to your own parents. Um, and so that can be something to, to work through. Um, and then of course there's the physical symptoms. A lot of people get the heartburn that can hit really hard there. Um, and, uh, you know, just general tummy changes as, as your, as your belly starts to grow, um, as well as the, the aches and pains that come along with that. Um, yeah, the second trimester can normally be a good time. Um, so it can be a time that we can add a few things in to start prepping. Um, whereas a lot of us think that we have to wait till the third to start something that um, mm-hmm. involves the after. <laughs> it's true. The earlier you prepare, and you know what? It's interesting. I would love for people when they're trying to conceive yeah. to come in, you know, in my realm with physiotherapy and fitness, it's like to work on building the strength mm-hmm. because pregnancy may hit you may not be able to exercise like I wasn't able to exercise my first pregnancy due to some complications that I had that I was told don't exercise and I lost all of my fitness which sometimes that is how it is but if somebody had said you know what focus on building strength here because when you're postpartum Mm -hmm. you're going to need to carry your baby carry the car seat you need a lot of carrying strength lifting strength Um, And I'm sure that's the same in terms of your work with, you know, naturopathy and Mm -hmm. preparing the mind and body like physically for -hmm. for pregnancy and then for birth. I love what you said about relationships, too, is that's not talked about often is Mm -hmm. the impact that pregnancy has on your relationship with yourself, Mm -hmm. with your partner, with your parents. And it's often the first time that you're really diving deep into that because now you're thinking wait how is my relationship with my parents and yeah. now I'm going to be a parent myself yeah like what do I want to do differently and what do I want to do the same and you know yeah. was our relationship challenging is this going to be tough for me mm-hmm. um I remember that happening during my pregnancy and it was hard lots of big emotions absolutely yeah I actually changed my um initial intake where I'm seeing my patients you know early first trimester to include a questions around their childhood questions around trauma in their past because what I found was um my patients postpartum who were say a year into um into having a baby, um, past traumas were coming up or, or reparenting was coming up. And it was very, very challenging, um, especially if they had experienced trauma as a child, to live through that, through their child's lens and have all that kind of inner child work brought right to the surface. And of course, as a naturopathic doctor, that's not my scope to work them through that. Um, But it can be such a good flag, especially early in pregnancy, um, to make a referral to see someone trained in perinatal mental health or to see someone trained in trauma work so that we can start that process before baby arrives. Um, Because it's very, very hard um, if you haven't had the chance to examine your own, you know, mental health, your own upbringing, whatever it is, to experience it in real time. Um, And so sometimes that's uh, second trimester, those emotions that kind of come up and it's almost natural. A lot of us are suddenly reflecting on those thoughts in that time. Um, I don't know if it's like our body's just bringing it up or if it's just the kind of nature of thinking of parenting someone in the imminently. It's Um, like when you realize, oh, this is actually going to come out of me soon and I have to learn how to parent this. (laughs) Um, And so, so I changed my intake so that I could start um, you know, plugging that kind of thought for people who hadn't thought of it yet, um, so that we could um, start working on it sooner, um, which has has been so helpful for so many of my patients. And I think your patients would be very grateful for you for flagging and recognizing that because mm-hmm. most practitioners, we know medical doctors don't often ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm sure not all naturopathic doctors do as well. Mm-hmm. And as a physiotherapist, I often, in my intake form, I ask about mental health, yeah. regardless of what time, yeah. regardless of who it is, you know, male, female. And that's been a question that I added in when I started my own business. And it's been so eye-opening. Yeah, absolutely. So many chances to say, oh, I wouldn't, this person would not not have told me this Mm -hmm. and they don't have to share anything with me. It's Mm -hmm. just, okay, do you want a referral? You know, it's like that question explaining why a referral to a mental health therapist um, can help them Absolutely, because you're so right. Past traumas, resurfacing, inner child work. Like I'm still doing that because Mm -hmm. this is the stuff that I didn't know I needed Mm -hmm. until I had a child. And sometimes that's just how it is, but 
to have practitioners like you recognize it and support people through it and say, you know what, this is common and here are ways that we can support you is huge. Absolutely. What are some ways that you can support um, mental health with the naturopath? Uh, naturopathic medicine yeah I think that's like one of my fave topics if you've noted on my Instagram to talk about the intersection of that mental health and naturopathic medicine um so my my undergrad was in psychology so it definitely oh I'm very cool yeah it primed me to be thinking about this and I found it so interesting when reflecting back on and now of course it was an undergraduate degree but I don't remember talking about any perinatal mental health issues perinatal mood and anxiety disorders where maybe it was flagged under the general diagnosis of major depressive disorder but it wasn't there um and it's so which is kind of shocking like it's just shocking shocking to me and you know we know we know that the most common complication of pregnancy is perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and you know we we can talk about other complications of pregnancy but we some for some reason the most common one does not get discussed and it's the most common by like a landslide um and it's it's really especially with this pandemic i know um myself, you know, and we were both, we were both pandemic mamas and the rate of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders has skyrocketed this pandemic because with this pandemic, like there's been another one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope that there's no other ones. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's just, it's, it's absolutely like its own pandemic in and of itself, how intense and how much people are experiencing it. And so with naturopathic medicine, it's often um, working in conjunction um, with a, a, you know, a psychotherapist or a clinical psychologist. Um, I also work in conjunction, of course, with their family doctor who is often able to prescribe their medications because of course the medications can be life-saving. Um, we also know that suicide is the second most common cause of death in the postpartum space. Um, wow, which is really? a shocking, and I don't say that to scare people but it is within North America of course um um within most industrialized nations of course this is the second most common complication or cause of death um and so that I think can prime us to know that we can seek care um we're not it's the most common cause uh, like uh like um most common thing that people experience in the postpartum um and then and suicide can be very common and so we want to we want to seek out support um and taking those medications if our doctor is prescribing them isn't something that's a sign of weakness or a sign of anything it can be quite literally life-saving and so i work in conjunction with those other clinicians um to to come up with the best treatment plan from the naturopathic side it's often a lot of um, nutrition work it's looking at their micronutrient status um different micronutrients have been implicated in an increased rates of things like perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. So we see, depends on the person, and normally this requires blood work. Um, So it could be something like vitamin D, it could be B12, it could be iron, um, a number of different ones. And we're looking to really optimize our micronutrient intake. Actually, this week on my Instagram, I'm going to be talking a lot about postpartum depletion, um, which is the idea that our micronutrients and other aspects of our health are depleted by pregnancy, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding. You think about that level of substantial maternal investment that comes with being uh becoming a mom um and so depending on you know how our our micronutrient and our our nutritional health was pre-pregnancy it might inform how we're feeling into the postpartum space it can also be an aspect you know of our genetics or how our pregnancy was or any number of different so many things ourselves and so so taking a a look at how we are feeling in terms of that can be so integral for our mental health Um, it can also be as simple as just timing our meals appropriately a lot of people find that their anxiety increases when their blood sugar drops Um, Mm -hmm. and so as a new mom when you're not feeding yourself well or maybe you're grabbing a granola bar on the go and by lunchtime you're actually ravenous your anxiety might peak and it could be something where you need to talk to your therapist about how you're feeling it could be something where you need meds but it can be also that we need to start with a nourishing breakfast to prevent that afternoon anxiety or that evening anxiety. Um, And so it's a lot of nutritional aspects. Um, There are, of course, some supplements that do support from a uh, more herbal standpoint, but that's always, of course, like a one-to-one conversation. I do find that nutrition and sleep are such a base layer. You know, those are our foundations. And if we can get those kind of foundations in place, um, people start feeling a lot better in conjunction with um, other aspects of their mental health. And, you know, one of the things that strikes to me 
stands out to me is nobody thinks that they're going to be the ones to experience mental health disorders. I I did after my first and I only realized that when I was pregnant with my second. I was in denial because I was like, this is normal. And this is normal level of anxiety. Of course, you're worried about your baby doing this. Um, Of course, you know, and in hindsight, I was like, oh my gosh, I was struggling. And why did nobody see that? Because we assume that if you have a mood disorder, you're going to be like lying in bed, unable to move, and like you're going to be crying all day. But some of these people are highly functional. Mm -hmm. They're the moms that like I was trying to do every holiday, every picture perfect. And taking that stress and pressure off ourselves, looking at like how do we actually want to be as mothers instead of responding to like societal pressures of Mm -hmm. you need to do this for your child, make this Mm -hmm. picture perfect breakfast for your child and then ignoring your needs completely for Mm -hmm. months on end. And I love what you said about eating. I remember with my first, I asked my husband to like prepare my breakfast and lunch because I would have like freezer meals and stuff and like muffins. But the act of getting into the freezer, heating it up, yeah. was too much it's with a baby. It's it, like it sounds stupid, yeah. but like it was too hard. Yeah. So he would leave a Tupperware with all of my snacks for the day. Yeah. I and I would that. eat. Yeah. And I would eat. And I needed that. Yeah. I, and I was up all night nursing her and I was exhausted. Yeah. And I needed those ravenous snacks even at nighttime. Yeah. I was ravenous. And my, for my pre- first pregnancy, I didn't gain much weight because I was so mm-hmm. nauseous. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the gain, the weight I gained, yeah. the, the nutrients I had to eat was, were postpartum. Yes. yes. My second was different. But my first, I needed all that food. Mm-hmm. And imagine I didn't eat and how much harder that would have been. Absolutely. Um, and I, the message that I want to – you know, emphasizes that literally could happen to anybody yeah. and that you're not weak, that it's just is a recipe for sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. hormones, new challenges in yeah. your life, relationship changes. You know, in hindsight, you're like, of course it's common. Yeah. You know, of course that's perhaps um, understandable why it happens, but then going to seek help is, is the next step. Yes, definitely. I find I, I often um, end up seeing a lot of um, – type A high achieving moms, which I love. Um, and that's often who um, I feel like moms who identify with that kind of um, way of feeling, you know, you're high achieving, you're type A, you want to get on top of things. That's who's often interested in my Instagram content because they're like, I love knowledge. I love learning about what's going on in my body. I want this. I seek this out. And that's fantastic. Uh, but then we are often, you know, as high achievers and as, as go, go, go and perfection, we're like, I'm not the type of mom to have trouble with that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that's often where it's most hardest. And I talk about this, um, in, in, uh, on my Instagram and stuff, it's often my, my type A moms who find postpartum the hardest because they're used to having a nice checklist and saying, I'm going to just do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to like get my work done for the day. And you know, I, they're, they're corporate and they're, they're getting their to-do list done and they're fantastic. And then postpartum, it's like, okay, I changed their diaper. I, I, I changed their clothes. I'm going to like rock my baby and oh my God, they spit up and then they had a poop explosion. And they poop again. again. And then I do it again. And it's just, it's such a different mentality than what we're used to. And I know for myself, this can absolutely rock you. And so sometimes it's about learning the right steps to prepare in a different way than we're used to Mm -hmm. um, as people who are on top of things and knowing that, you know, everybody is the type of mom who could experience a challenge in the postpartum. It's not um, relegated to certain people. I love that. I love that. And when you're type A and you're high achieving, you're when you don't have kids, yeah. you are the only person who controls your schedule mostly. Yes, you have, mm-hmm. may have a partner or other things in your life. But when you have a child, it's not just you. And so the control mm-hmm. aspect, there's a lot of like letting go of control yes. with, you know, the type A, the high achieving. You know what? I didn't expect motherhood. I remember one of my friends told me this. She's like, being a mom has made me so much more laid back. Yeah. And I – at the time, I had she had had her second and I had just had my first. And I was like, what? I'm even more uptight now. And because I was in that control, like death gripping, it's like, you know, that example of like holding sand, like the, high, the harder you grip, the more falls out. Yes. And it's like letting go of your hand, letting go of some of the control and like looking at the big picture of like what actually needs to happen today. Can you define getting through the day as a successful day rather than, oh, I need to get through the day and clean the toilet and do like eight loads of laundry. Like, let's just take that pressure off. And I think I'm glad that you're talking about it. I'm glad that we're talking about this and more people are mentioning this because Mm -hmm. 
you're so right is the people who don't think they're going to have the issues yeah. end up having the most issues. Yeah. I remember one of my friends is like super disorganized, very laid back. <laughs> and when she had babies, she was like, yeah, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like experiencing all of that. Mm-hmm. And I do think that sometimes going into pregnancy with more of a laid back approach can be very beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's that learning lessons during pregnancy that we talked about where we're kind of like, okay, I'm going to let go of the, you know, need to do more things and I'm going to go to bed at 8 PM and just things like that to start practicing um, during pregnancy can really help inform our postpartums for sure. I remember my second pregnancy, like you, it was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was working from home virtually. My kid was home, with, like my to- um, toddler at the time was home with us. And I would sleep yeah. on the couch yeah. all the time. And zero guilt. Yep. And the and the pressure was off because it was the pandemic. Nobody was hanging out or doing yeah. anything. Yeah. So I found that for me, the pandemic was the best thing for my mental mm-hmm. health mm-hmm. because it took that external pr- pressure of having to do stuff or yeah. taking your kids to the science center or taking your yeah. kids out here yeah. off. And so I could just literally like hang out and yeah. see how much happier she was just hanging just out. Really, play. Yeah, they don't care. Just, they just want going to the park. <laughs> going to, yeah, they yeah. just want us. Yeah. Um, and society, again, social media, you see the kids mm-hmm. doing like a million Santa photos. Like, yeah. you know, you see all the external things. People are posting their highlights. Yeah. And you assume that you have to kind of come up to the standard. Absolutely. And most of us, if you're a listener, most of us are literally just like yeah, cooking, cleaning, yeah. working, like all the yeah. basics. We're not doing anything fancy during the and, day. And the people who we see doing all of those fancy things, the reason is that they're doing that is those are plan photos that are part of their job. They're often being paid to do a lot of those different things as a, as a content creator. And so it's remembering that you might be doing other things for your job and not being able to have time to those things in your you know, family life, although your family doesn't necessarily need those things. I think our our society holds new moms to such a standard that's unachievable. I always talk about it's kind of like a dichotomy. There's the mom who, you know, she, she can't lose the baby weight. She's so frustrated with the kids and she drinks wine by 4 PM or 3 PM or whatever time. And that's one like kind of archetype of mom we have in our society. And then we have this other, you know, she is back at work two weeks postpartum back in her pre-pregnancy jeans. She's running her company and either way, none of us can succeed in that. You know, if we hold ourselves up to either of those archetypes, if we, we can't succeed. And so society sets you up for failure, no matter which way you go. And when we're pregnant, we set ourselves up for, you know, just you wait until you experience this or just you wait until, um, you know, you have two kids, uh, you have a newborn now, just wait till there's two. And just you wait until they don't sleep through the night. You're pregnant. You're complaining about not sleeping. Just wait till they don't sleep through the night. And we kind of just set people up for this like fear or failure. And we're like, you don't get to win. And that's just that's so not fair to new moms and what they should be getting is this empowering knowledge of what's, you know, what's normal and what's not and when they should seek help so that they are feeling fully informed on there are challenges postpartum. It is hard as a new mom. Of course, it's going to be hard. But at the same time, if we know what to do and how to approach it, and we know when it's totally just normal and part and parcel with being postpartum versus when we know that it's, it's something that needs help. And I think that can be so helpful for people. And, and also where to get that help. And, yeah. you know, that's part of why I started this podcast because I wanted to bring on different experts and let people know that, you know what, if you're struggling with this, check yeah. out Dr. Danielle because yeah. you, it's sometimes you get stuck in this, no one can help me. I'm so damaged. There's so much wrong with me. Where do I even start? Yeah. I know I need physio. I know I need fitness trainer. I know I need all of these things. But like sometimes you, you need to start with the basics, Absolutely. sleep, nutrition, yeah. because and those are screening questions that I ask during mm. all of my assessments is how is your sleep? We know it's going to be hard. It's hard. I'm, I'm 14 months postpartum and it's still challenging. But I will say <laughs> last night was the best night's sleep that I've had in since I've oh, had we're getting to that. We're getting to that phase too. Hopefully. I know. It's like it's like getting there. And the kids now share a room because we're, they, they need to. Yeah. And so we started transitioning him and he's sleeping better so nice. it's like fingers crossed. He it still does. wakes through the night for nursing. And before mm-hmm. I would like keep it in either in our bed or in our room. Yeah. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put him back there because he, he'll yeah. cry for a bit. But he's like, 
happier there. Yeah. Um, and my daughter sleeps through his like crying and I'm like, oh my oh, gosh, like there's hope. It is hard, moms. Like it is hard. And that's the thing is don't let anybody tell you that it's easy. And I remember I was pregnant with my first in clinic working back when I was working in clinic and there was this mom and she had had she had one kid and she was like I don't get what the fuss is about pregnancy it was the fittest I'd been I'd do two boot camps a day I'll never forget her and she didn't know I was pregnant yet I was in my early postpartum or pregnancy super nauseous Mm -hmm. nobody knew and she was bragging about how amazing her pregnancy is and her postpartum and she's like yeah I never liked having kids um, get in the way of my life and my travels. My husband and I still go skiing and like all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because you A, have the privilege of like mm-hmm. having all this financial support to have a yeah. nanny and this and that. And B, you were just l- lucky that your pregnancy and your postpartum was like that. It didn't mean you worked hard. Like, yes, yeah. you may have worked hard for your fitness, but there are other, other people who are very fit and active mm-hmm. and then pregnancy hits. Mm-hmm. And I think for some of those people, it can be a huge mind game of like, yeah. wow, I guess I'm not as active and fit as I thought mm-hmm. I was. And what, what do you say to people, let's say, who are postpartum mm-hmm. and they're struggling to lose weight? Because we know that society puts this unrealistic bounce back culture kind of expectation that apparently that's a goal for everybody that we need to be able to fit into our genes, which it's not, it shouldn't be a goal. You can look however you want. Extra belly fat around the the belly is fine. Like we don't have to fix that. But for those people who feel that pressure, like they have to get back, you know, and let's say they're early postpartum and they approach you about, you know, weight loss. What what kind of conversations do you have? Well, really, we try and talk about it in the same way we talk about most other postpartum symptoms. Um, you know, first, I, I try and teach them about what's going on in their bodies, because for some reason, like you said, our society has likened postpartum recovery to losing the baby weight. And if you have lost the baby weight, you've recovered. Um, for a, a personal example from my life, I um I, I did lose the baby weight postpartum with my daughter. Um, and then my daughter had a lot of trouble tolerating both gluten and dairy in my diet while I was breastfeeding. And so I had to cut out gluten and dairy. And that was a huge dietary change for me. It resulted in, you know, different eating habits than I'd been used to. And I lost weight and I was less, I was weighing less than I was when I was, um, pre-pregnancy while I was in school and everyone was complimenting me. You got back to your body. You look so good. Like you don't even look like you had a kid and it, you know, you feel like, Oh yeah, thank you. That's so nice. Um, but at the same time, what people didn't realize, and I remember being with a group of girlfriends and they were all complimenting me. I was in a bikini and they thought I looked great. And then I tried to sit down and I was like, <laughs> and then I was sitting there and I was like, who ouch because my back was in so much pain because I hadn't done a proper postpartum rehab. And because I've been trying to pick up this kid while not nourishing my body fully because I was trying to keep up with these dietary changes. And at the same time, um, my my um, midwife had not t- checked my iron postpartum despite my iron being low during pregnancy. And so I was exhausted all the time. My mood was low. I felt like crap. And I was kind of like in my head just thinking like, oh, everyone thinks because I look a certain way, I'm good. And they were kind of like, wait, what happened to your back? And I'm like, oh, my back's killing because I just had a baby. Um... And it was so interesting to me that at like when from the outside looking in, because I'd lost the baby weight, I looked like I'd recovered postpartum. But there were so many aspects that I still needed to work on, and those were more important to me than how I looked. Um, and I just found it so interesting that from like the societal perspective on how are we recovered postpartum, I'd recovered, I checked the box, but I felt like crap. And so it took me actually truly recovering. And doing those things that I needed to do to feel well. And so what I talk to my patients about is is it's often about um, weight loss is often about getting some of those those pillars of health in place. Um, weight loss postpartum is is so variable. It can depend on um, you know our stress levels, our whether or not we're breastfeeding, um, whether or not when or whether or not our period returns. It can depend on our sleep schedule. Um, when I look at weight loss, even outside of pregnancy, I'm looking at all of those factors. It's not about you know restricting calories down to the lowest amount. Um, it's more so about kind of optimizing the environment and setting yourself up for success in that. Um, so it can be about getting a good night's sleep. It can be about lowering your stress yeah. levels. It can be about optimizing your hormones and your gut health. All of these aspects that pregnancy and postpartum kind of put through the ringer. And so if we It's all the stuff that, that like isn't sexy, right? It's, it's not, not like it's not like marketing. It's no. not like you see that shredded body and you're like, oh, I just have to do this workout yeah. for a month, 
eat this pill and I'll just lose all the baby that weight. And I love perfect. that you're talking about the pillars of health because mm-hmm. it's almost we know that it's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's 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 and and oftentimes what served us pre-pregnancy doesn't serve us postpartum, you know, uh, going to a boot camp style workout where they're like, oh my God, do one more rep, five more, yeah, go. That actually can make it harder for us to lose weight um, because we're we're in stress, we're in the survival mode and now we're our workout is stressing us out too. And increasing the cortisol. Yeah, yeah exactly. I always recommend like, mm-hmm. and this is why my postpartum workouts are designed to be yes. done in five to 10 minute yes. chunks. Yep. And because if you're exhausted, you can still do a five to 10 minute workout slow like at your own pace and still feel successful in your day and you're still going to make gains in strength versus if you're mandating that it has to be a 45 minute boot camp and you you do that once every two weeks because that's all the energy you have your progress is actually going to be even worse than if you were to do five minutes a day um and it's so interesting your experience with your first with your daughter is the exact same as mine Mm. i bounced back physically on the outside I would have everyone thinking oh you're a physio so you must know how to bounce back and I'm like honestly it's just genetic yeah and I had to cut out dairy I had to cut out gluten and eggs Mm -hmm. because I was breastfeeding and my daughter seemed to have issues (laughs) it was extremely challenging and I think that I wasn't eating enough calories um and I think that contributed to my I also had low iron very similar and I mm. I kept thinking wow all you guys care about is how I look yes and it's where nobody cares about how I'm feeling on the inside yeah. that I have prolapse that I have mm-hmm. diastasis and that I like feel so weak I can't like jump or run yeah. even though I used to be a runner and my second experience I still am a lot heavier than I was pre-baby. Mm-hmm. I feel so good though. Yes. So it's like society has this messed up value on how we yeah. look yeah. instead of like asking the mom, how do you feel? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so it's so counterintuitive. And it's it's really about that like slow and steady wins the race. Because what's I, when I, um, as you ask, like what, what do I do with these postpartum patients that just want to lose the weight? And it's it's totally fair. Aesthetics are important. But we also look at our goals. You know, why why do we want to lose the weight? Is it to fit in our jeans and feel like ourselves again? Well, why don't we feel like yourself? How's our body image going? How's that going? Is it pressures from your relationship? Is it pressures from, I don't know, just like body and friends or yeah. yeah, what's going on there? How, how what, what and did we internalize that body image was the top thing and then how do we want to you know what what else are our goals and a lot of them are like I want to keep up with my kids I want to get back on my exercise routine I don't want to be that mom that can't do anything and I'm like okay well if we want to do that then we have to we have to start with the base layers you know we have to get nutrition in place we have to get you into a postpartum rehab we have to do all these foundational things so that you know you have to learn to walk before you can run and all of those aspects and and so sometimes it's about setting our goals and talking about how we can actually attain those goals that helps people recognize that for even them on the truly on the inside it's not about the weight loss necessarily it's about all of the things that could come the things that we set up for ourselves with the weight loss and so sometimes Mm -hmm. it's it's all of those steps that need to come into place prior to the weight loss and the weight loss you know it's it's very much genetic and it's also our body has gone through massive massive change on all aspects of our health you know neurological hormonal immunological everything everything has changed and so it can be you know aspects of our 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 body might not bounce back because that's just how things have changed it's it's not realistic it's like us going from being a 10 year old um with you know a little bitty waist and no hips to being a 14 year old who suddenly has grown and developed through puberty postpartum and pregnancy are very much they are developmental changes the same way that puberty or menopause is and with that can come of course physical changes your rib cage might be wider your hips might be wider and that just might be the way it is because your body has changed structurally in order to accommodate a pregnancy and that's that's okay um and so it can be kind of about normalizing aspects of that too i think we see online And on TV and media, we see the two types of moms. We see the woman who's like, quote, unquote, let herself go, looks like a slob, obviously overweight, the way that, you know, they push that image. And then there's the mom who like, you know, you were talking about the two archetypes, very thin, back at work, you know, high, like the boss lady, right? And I'm like, but that's not the reality. Most people are somewhere in between. Absolutely. If you want to lose weight postpartum, it's because you've been conditioned all of your life to think that thinner is better. And that's usually what it comes down to. But it doesn't mean that that goal is not valid because if that's still your goal, that's still your goal. But yep. let's prioritize yep. your health, exactly. right? Rather than just 
your aesthetic. Um, and if your aesthetic comes that your dream is that it comes with your health, great. Yeah. But if it doesn't come, will you accept yourself? Because yeah. I think a lot of it comes to, you know, body and personal life acceptance. Like, do you accept yourself as a person? Mm-hmm. Because if you're thinking you're not going to feel like yourself until you look a certain way, mm-hmm. you're only conditionally loving yourself when you look a certain way. Yeah. Can you still love yourself right now the way you look? Yeah. And huge conversations to have. And I think that body image, eating disorders, all of these things kind of go into it. Because if you have a history of eating disorders when you were a teenager mm-hmm. or when you're younger, that can magnify postpartum. Mm-hmm. And I see people who are not healing well physically even though they're doing all the workouts and I'm like Mm -hmm. you need to like more protein more calories see a somebody for your health Mm -hmm. your nutrition uh and they're they're tough conversations or they're tough things for some people to hear because that's what they need to hear but they may not be um ready for that conversation yet and that's okay too people can take time to process right Um, yeah I think I think millennial women um that like because millennial women are predominantly just having babies right now, they we've been disordered eating is rampant, and it's often how we we grew up. We grew up in the diet crazes, the fad diet yeah. crazes, and we were you know, um, you look back on pictures of celebrities from the early two thousands, and and the thin, 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 thin was the absolute goal. And I think that there's fantastic people now who are helping normalize all ranges of bodies, which is so wonderful. Um, but a lot of us grew up with that, that kind of mentality. And so it can be about changing that. And sometimes we talk about that, um, especially as my patients are doing food introduction with their babies, because of course they see their babies postpartum as well. And so it can be so interesting oh, sitting yeah. there and being like, how do I want to feed my and nourish my child? How do I want to teach them about their nutrition and loving their body? And so it can be, of course, as we talked about that kind of reparenting information. And so sometimes there's a referral to therapy there as well, but it can be like, I want my baby to know how to eat their veggies and eat their proteins and eat those things. And then it's like, okay, but are you doing that too? And a, a lot yeah. of us modeling it is yeah. the biggest thing. And, right? and that's is... what we talk about is, you know, he, like my son throws pretty well, the dog eats so well. Um, so everything is on the floor. And I know that, you know, he hasn't tried a lot of veggies that we put on his plate, but it's about the fact that his mom and dad are also consuming them and showing them how him how much we like it and that it's on his plate each day. It's not necessarily so much about what is going into his mouth because a lot of it won't and his tummy's teeny. Um, but as parents, we, we get so fixated on what they're consuming, but it's also what they're consuming in terms of what they're watching. And so for a lot of us, um, it can be about relearning those nutritional aspects for ourselves too and balancing our plate appropriately um i wish adult plates came with the little pockets that baby plates do the way it's kind of divided because it's such a good you know what in indian culture our plates are stainless steel and they do come with sections because we tend to have like Mm -hmm. the veggies the like dal the the lentils like we have the sections and the funny thing is I wanted to say it's, it's so cultural because in Indian culture, if you're too thin, it's bad, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's very bad if you're too thin. So like all of my aunties were like, eat more, eat more like throughout my life because I've, I've always been thin just genetically, mm-hmm. which is funny because both my parents are thin, but yet they pressured me to continue to eat more mm-hmm. to gain weight. Yeah. But then postpartum hits and then there's this like awkward, you know, Western culture says thin mm-hmm. is better. Mm-hmm. Indian culture for me says like a bit bigger, rounder is better. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ignore the noise and like go back to what your body needs Mm -hmm. and your nutrients um can you talk a little bit about um protein Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I find that's not something most people don't eat enough of Mm -hmm. women in particular and any of my patients are listening to this podcast they'll probably like laugh because I push protein so much because it is so integral, especially postpartum. Um, there's a lot of research to indicate that the way we calculate our protein needs and the way we've recommended it has been lower than our bodies need. And postpartum, I think, especially as we're rebuilding, you think about all of that tissue change that's occurring, um, especially in those initial postpartum days, you know, you might be healing from an incision, um, whether it's C-section or episiotomy, you might be healing from stitches, or just, of course, you're healing because there's a lot of structural changes that have happened. And we can see that our protein needs are a lot higher than most of us are eating. And when I talk to my patients and I calculate it oftentimes based on body weight, what we need per, per um, kilogram, um, they, um, they aren't eating enough. And the spot I most see it is, is breakfast. Um, Mm. Because North America, especially they don't, we don't eat 
protein for breakfast, you know, yeah, it's like cereal, cereal oats, toast, yeah. whatever. And, and oatmeal is a fantastic postpartum meal if it's surrounded by other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to people about, you know, have your, have your carbs with friends. So have, you know, your, your, your oatmeal, but you want your flax seeds and, you know, some spoonful of almond butter and maybe some protein powder in there too. And all of a sudden we've got this well-rounded bowl and that's going to fill us up. But oatmeal on its own, is probably going to spike our blood sugar and we're not going to be feeling so good in like two hours time when everything kind of um, changes. Um, And so protein needs are are some of the most integral part of nourishing your body postpartum. Um, I think most people aren't eating enough protein generally in their life. Um, We know our needs are substantially into pregnancy and then of course continue postpartum, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, And so that's something that I absolutely, I'm like, oh, are you eating enough protein? No, you don't have a protein breakfast. Let's start there. Um, Because people people aren't um, used to it. And I mean, I think it also, as you said, it can come back to Indian culture or just even Asian culture where people aren't eating um, these, these, we've been conditioned in North America for these sweet and um, sweet, sweet breakfast, whereas a lot of the world eats a savory breakfast. Um, and it, I know I can't stand fantastic. sweet breakfast because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to start my day with sugar. Yeah. Like, yeah. and yeah, we used to eat things like, like growing up, like idlis, which are like um, mm. puffed rice and lentil cakes. Yeah. So it's like very yeah. high in protein. Yeah. And you have it with like coconut chutney, which yeah. is like fat. And lentils. So, but then those also take a lot of time to work. Yeah. So then when you're going for shooting for convenience, I love that you give options where, yeah, mm-hmm. you can have your oats or your mm-hmm. cereal, whatever, but throw in all that other yep. stuff. Yeah. So you're not just like drained. And that's something that I think so many of us, yep. whether pregnant or not, are um, could make an improvement on. Definitely, definitely. For me, I've, you know, I remember hearing like 0. 0.8 to 1.2 kilograms yeah. per kilogram body weight. Yeah. And most people are well below that. Mm-hmm. And I usually say if you're postpartum, you need even higher. Mm-hmm. And if you're strength training and your goal is to build muscle, yep. if your goal is to build muscle, you can't be at like Absolutely. 0.6 or like 0. 0.8. You need more. And I think that comes back into the like the weight loss um yeah. Post on weight loss. This is a cool combo. But um, the idea on weight loss is that a lot of people, because they're going into these extreme calorie restrictive diets, is that they're actually losing muscle mass. Yeah. And there's such a difference between weight loss and fat loss. And so a lot of people, you know, they're weighing themselves a couple times a week. And what they're really noticing is they're noticing, you know, their change in hydration, how much salt they've ate or whether or not they've had a bowel movement. And so they're like, oh my God, I'm up two pounds. I'm down two pounds, but really they just pooped. And it's, it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's, and it's, it's, um, it's such a like strange, um, situation that we've gotten ourselves into with our obsession with weight loss is that, you know, someone could be very slim. And I know myself postpartum the first time I was like, I definitely lost muscle mass. Like I wasn't exercising. Oh yeah. I was like a rail thin. I was like skinnier than I was pre-baby. Like the day after I gave birth, like I literally bounced back even though my abs were all stretched out. Yeah. But I, when I looked in the mirror, I was like a frail. Yeah. I had zero muscle and that mass. That informs so many aspects of our our health, where we're losing our muscle mass. You know, metabolically, we need those muscles in order to be more active metabolically. It's going to play into our thyroid health. It's going to play into so many other aspects. Let alone just like our bone density from not being able to to do weight bearing exercises. Uh, women should be doing. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where like. We, we need to look at more than just weight loss because it's it's not that's not even a good marker of um, our body's change. Glad you said that because weight loss is different than fat loss, mm-hmm. or fat loss is different than like muscle loss and everything else. And um, you know, people are like, "Oh, my abs look tighter," mm-hmm. and and I'm like, "It might be because you didn't eat yet." Yeah, and. Every single person, your abs are going to be more stretched by the end of the day if you have eaten. And when you have a diastasis, and even if you don't have a diastasis recti, Mm -hmm. which is abdominal separation, if your abs have been literally stretched by one, two, three Mm -hmm. babies, they're more flexible. Yeah. So it's like an old pair of jeans where they just Mm -hmm. bag out more. Mm -hmm. And that's a normal change. Mm -hmm. You cannot just snap your fingers and tighten all those fascial layers up. Sometimes genetically, that's just like you said, it's like between the ages of 10 and 14, you go through puberty. And same thing, you go through pregnancy and postpartum and that's how your body is now. And aesthetically, like let's start 
I, I suggest to people who struggle with that, follow people on social media who don't mm-hmm. look like that aesthetic you're dreaming mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Because I want you to normalize to yourself what normal bodies mm-hmm. can look like mm-hmm. at all ages and stages. Different color skin, yes. um, stretch marks, yep. fat, everything. Ability. Yeah. Like I think it's important to diversify our lives. Absolutely. And if everybody around you is bounced back and looks quote unquote mm-hmm. perfect – Look at social media. Look at your media, like Mm. the things that you're consuming because I think Mm. that that can play a very powerful role, especially now with COVID and people being more home than not. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can play a powerful role in our body image and how we feel about ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I have a few more questions for you about yourself Mm -hmm. as we kind of wrap up and head into our final thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about three things that you like to do for yourself for self-care. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm intentionally coming back to that even more right now. My son's like 14 months postpartum, like, um, yours and it's, it's coming back to that self-care. Um, I think my top thing is always about like nourishing my body and really how I eat is a reflection of how I'm taking care of myself. And I see that when I don't nourish my body, I feel crap. So I, I, that's definitely a huge self-care thing for me. Um, the other huge one is outdoor outdoor time. Um, as you know, I just recently moved up to Sudbury and it's really because my husband and I were like, there are favorite activities are outdoors. And this is like the place where you can do everything. You can go to the lakes, you can go for hikes, you can do all of that. Um, while I can still maintain my virtual practice. So that's been perfect. Um, so outdoor time is another huge self care. Um, and then, you know, I think my love language would be like time with loved ones. So it's it's about getting to spend that time with my kids or with my husband or with other people, with friends, where we can with the pandemic right I now. I know, it's hard. But, but I love that you make space and time for that and that you've moved somewhere, which allows you to live your best life. Yeah. Because I think we feel so stuck sometimes. Yeah. And I think that you can create your life mm-hmm. the way you want and imagined yeah. to better suit your health. Definitely. Um, my um, my husband grew up in Sudbury actually, and my sister in law lives there. Oh, so, nice, nice! Yeah, we haven't been there in a long time because of the pandemic yeah. and everything, but we will make our way there eventually. So, Love it. um, tell me about what you're what you listen to. Do you read books? Do you have any time to read or listen to things right now? Yeah, I feel like right now the main book is like Goodnight Moon. <laughs> Classic. Uh, but normally, normally reading is big. I wanted, I've been needing to kind of get back into that between school and then, and then now with babies since 2017. So um, not right now. <laughs> one day. I know, eventually. I always say books aren't going anywhere. Yep. Yeah. You know, I have a stack that I would love to read. Sometimes I'll read a couple pages here and there, yep. but uh it is tough. Yeah. And you run a business too. So that takes up a lot of time. Yes. And content creation, as we know, exactly. takes a long time too. Tons of time. Yeah. Um, what's something that you've been into lately that you're passionate about? Um, oh, I feel like so many things. I'm, as I, I think predominantly right now, like developing my, my business. I love um, the different changes that the pandemic has opened. I think there's aspects that, I mean, it decimated us in small business in 2020, but at the same time, it opened different opportunities in terms of the online care. So I love, um, definitely passionate about seeing where I can grow in that space and, and learning more there. Tell me about your mother method, because I know you have a launch. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have two different arms to it. Um, so the mother method part one, I guess, would be for during pregnancy. And so that's all about preparing us for postpartum. So I have um, a uh, program and it's going to walk you through all the different aspects that you need to prepare for in pregnancy in order to have a healthy postpartum. And so, you know, it's looking at our emotional health, it's looking at our physical health, our nutrition, um, our physical recovery after birth, how to set yourself up for a healthy labor, um, breastfeeding experience or feeding your baby experience and different mindset aspects. And so my, um, those clients that have purchased that they're walking through those and both video and audio lessons. And then they have a workbook and I have a workbook it's on my desk here it's like 88 pages of different things that they can do to prep and it goes along with the lessons um they have like a community group um Facebook group where I come on once a week and I do office hours to answer any questions as we go through that and as we prep for a healthy postpartum um instead of kind of being 
blindsided by what to expect. Um, it's too much to go through in those initial days. And so we start to, our prep during pregnancy. Amazing. Um, and then for my postpartum mamas, um, the mother method part two walks you through how to recover. So we're looking at our nutritional health. We're looking at the postpartum depletion. We're like, what the heck is going on with our hormones and our periods? And we're talking about how to do that healthily. How are our energy level levels? How is our libido? All of these different aspects that as new moms were like, what? And it falls under, as I talked about before, it falls under that like diagnosis of new motherhood where moms have headaches and insomnia and breast pain and, and you know, painful periods and uh, insomnia and they have no libido and they gain weight and all these things. And we talk through what's normal and what's not and when they can seek help. Um, and so um, I'm running a challenge now. I don't know when the podcast will air, but it, it'll run next week. Uh, so early December, um, talking about some of the, the, the kind of basic self-care things that we can start doing in order to feel well. Um, and I know, I think I included for the show notes, the free download that mm -hmm. um, anyone pregnant or postpartum, they can start on some of these, these, these basic self-care kind of daily habits that set us up for success in motherhood, whether we're pregnant or early postpartum, or even a seasoned mama. Um, because I think it's all about kind of like, as you say, you know, fitting in that exercise, whether it's 15, 10, 15 minutes, um, that's going to do do what it's we need. do something. It's yep. tiny, tiny buildable daily habits that really affect change, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for you for that Thank and you. for all of the people that you're going to be able to support. I think that um, it's so clear that you're so passionate about this and that people are craving this information. Mm. They're so unsupported. And I, I see a surge of like empowerment for moms. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so I'm so happy to be a part of that, and I'm so excited for all of the um, all of the changes, right? And I, I think that it doesn't make it easier just because you're supported in the mm -hmm. sense of like your baby's still gonna be up at night. Yeah. But I feel that we're part of a community of like mothers, yeah. and I often think when I'm up late at night, and I'm like yeah. someone else, many other moms right now yeah. are up late at night too. Absolutely. And it makes you feel less alone. And I love that you have that Facebook group yeah. and community that people can kind of connect with each other. Definitely. Going through going through it at the same time. Definitely. And where can people reach you? Like, what's the best way for people to reach you? I would probably say my Instagram at um, the Mother Doctor. Um, on my website, Facebook, everything else is the same handle for the most part. Amazing. So makes it easy. Makes it easy to find me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll share all that in the show notes as well. Um, and what would you say is your mom's strength? Yeah. So I, I, I guess I was kind of being a bit um, ambitious with saying it, but balance. I feel like my motherhood journey has all been about balance, kind of the work and the babies at the same time as life. And so um, I think that that's something that's like a, always a daily work in progress to attain, but that's definitely something that I, I like to work towards. Amazing. And I think that um, recognizing where, like recognizing your priorities, like you said, what is, what do you enjoy the most? What's your love language? I think also helps in, you know, inspire that um, balance, right? Because you're like, I know that this is important to me and this is also important to me so like how can I make both of these work yeah um thank you so much for spending the past hour ish with us and informing us all about your wonderful work supporting moms moms to be during their pregnancy and postpartum and motherhood journeys I'm so excited for my listeners to listen to this and get uh, inspired to seek help and to know that there are so many people out there to support them and I will be sharing your your challenge runs when next week it starts yeah. when uh, next uh, starting Monday so and it's is it an online challenge mm -hmm. on Facebook mm -hmm. or on, not on Facebook Instagram yeah oh super fun I'm excited I'm excited but yeah thank you so much for having me on you're so welcome. And for our listeners, if this episode was helpful, please share it with somebody who you know is expecting or is postpartum so that they can get in on this uh, important knowledge and information as well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links and we'll chat again real soon.